five, four, three, two, one, go. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Blowing the Doors Off, episode 35. Uh, sorry we missed you guys last week. Had some uh, some technical difficulties a little bit, uh, multiple days in a row, which uh, is my fault on half of that. Uh, some crazy stuff happened on the other end of that, but uh, I'm Brett Morris, your host. Uh, I got Andrew Sherwin in here again with me, like always. What's going on, dude? I'm glad to be back on a Tuesday. Tuesday just feels like the right day. I'm with you on that. I like that better for sure. So, uh, how did you uh, did you enjoy the uh, the racing events in Fontana over the weekend? I watched the whole Cup race. I uh, didn't watch very much Xfinity at all. Uh, by that time, uh, you know, it being a late Cup start and a double header, you know, the folks around here were winding down, ready for bed, ready to watch a movie, that sort of thing, and not not another, you know, two hundred and fifty miles of racing. <laughs> right i missed the first stage of the cup race uh, i worked the uh indiana deer uh turkey and waterfowl expo in indianapolis from thursday to sunday so i got home right at the end of stage one and then i dialed in for the rest of it and i caught about three quarters of the xfinity race before i fell asleep but uh it, it felt good to watch something other than uh plate racing yeah, it sure did. Uh, it's so much more enjoyable for me. Uh, I actually turn on the scanner during the non-plate races because it's not just constant jibber-jabber. You know, it, you actually get to hear them talk about what's going on in the, with the car, why they might pit when they're going to pit, you know, that sort of thing. Now, tires weren't an issue at California from a perspective of are we going to get them. The answer is yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, so that yes, was easy yes. it's kind of like darlington and atlanta if you run three laps you're going to come get tires right well kyle bush in his second start with rcr puts it in victory lane um you know i i, I kind of wish uh we would have got the back-to-back i felt like he had a really good car at daytona uh would be a, a hell of a lot more to talk about i feel like uh, in that aspect, if if he had went back to back, because nobody's surprised that Kyle Busch won a race. Not at all. Uh, why don't you pull up your text messages and see what I sent you about one o'clock on Sunday? <laughs> I know I could read exactly what it says. It says that hey, let's put ten dollars on Kyle Busch to win. Uh, wish I'd have saw that text message. I uh, my phone was in my uh, my backpack there to show, and I was kicking myself later on for uh, not reading that text message a hell of a lot sooner. <laughs> yeah, I think we would have raked about twenty five on that. Nice. Would have been putting it in the kitty for the next go round, <laughs> right? You may you win right. a small bet, so you can make a little bigger bet, right? Especially at Vegas this weekend, I guarantee you, there's props out the ass. Oh, I guarantee it, and it's probably Quinellas and junk like that going on. Right. What would be pretty cool is, I think we could be safe, and I may be wrong. Let's do a parlay. We'll get to Vegas talking in a little bit as far as some of these odds, but. You know who's running an Xfinity race this week? Kyle oh, Busch. <laughs> For a colleague, we might have to do like a parlay Xfinity uh, and Cup win. Him winning both, I think that would be a hell of a uh, hell of a turnout for that. But yes, it would. Yes, it would. Yeah. So I think. I mean, I think the way things are going around here, not just to copy what everybody else is doing, but you know, gambling is the hot thing now. So, right. and, and you and I both engage in this a little bit. Absolutely. Um, so why not, uh, you know, add that segment in when it makes sense to do it? I mean, or every week, I don't, it doesn't bother me. I actually enjoy the sort of the odds talk and understanding why, you know, somebody that, hmm, why are they so long here when it seems like that car and that driver or somebody that does well at this track? What are, what are the odds makers know that I don't know? Right. That, it always plays out like that. Like when we bet on, I don't know, NFL or baseball or hockey or whatever, or college basketball here a lot for me lately, my IU Hoosiers play Iowa tonight. 
but they're always so the whoever makes the uh, the handicapper for these 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 bets uh, for these sites they're always like so freaking close and I don't understand it so that that makes me think too when you say that like what do you know that I don't know especially on somebody that's maybe betting before qualifying or before a practice or something like that it's like hey what do you know that I don't know because I, I I consume a lot of this <laughs> you know what I mean right right <laughs> it's interesting because it it's like uh it's kind of not to say it's the adult version of fantasy because anybody can play fantasy. And I did play fantasy for a long time and it kind of lost its luster to me. But the idea of, of talking about gambling, it's, it's very much like what fantasy was when I first started playing. It's very intriguing. I used to build spreadsheets and say, this is the person's average finish. And this is the way their car has been running, yada, yada, yada. And sort of pick my drivers based on that. Well, that's gambling is the new way to do that. And, I mean, at some point you got to figure uh, between the two of us uh, and and maybe whoever else is in our crowd. We know Brandon over at Lab Traffic loves to gamble too. We got to sure. go to Vegas and watch like uh, an Xfinity race from a sports book like the Bellagio, which I did. I put in a space from Story Time. We can talk yeah, about we'll get that to, we'll get to the Story Time here in a little bit. But that would be cool, though, for sure. But I don't know. If we're in Vegas and there's racing, I'm probably going to want to at least go to the race, at least one of them at least. I think it would be, you know, I actually, somebody got a hold of me probably about a month and a half, two months ago, and actually offered up um, a ticket for this. Uh, it was some kind of deal uh, for your hotel room, blah, blah, blah. They shuttle you to and from the race. It was a whole uh, whole package deal. And I want to say it was like uh, $1,400 or something like that. I know that it sounds expensive, and it probably would have been a very expensive weekend. You add airfare and everything else into that. But, man, I wanted to go pretty bad, but you know how that goes. The uh, the wife shut that one down pretty quick. Well, she don't yeah. want me running around Vegas. You know what I mean? Well, and, yeah, so I, I'm kind of that same way. Like, I want to, I, you know, I want to take Kristen to Vegas. Um, I just looked at my miles statement, and I was like, oh, we got to go somewhere. I'm like – about to nudge up against a half a million mile or yeah half a million so <laughs> that's uh, awesome. we need to go somewhere <laughs> <laughs> well i was um you know i hadn't really planned out any races besides the obvious ones that are really close to me for this year and i was looking through some stuff and um as you know i'm a huge hunter and i'm doing this big turkey tour over the midwest and uh northeast uh this coming spring and um one of my first stops is west virginia and that week, the weekend that I'm going to West Virginia is Martinsville week. And I Ooh. thought, man, I should hit Martinsville before I go turkey hunting. I, I'll sleep in the car. I really, I'll get a, I'll take the tent and stuff. Actually, I'm taking my tent anyways, because part of this deal that I'm going on is kind of like a turkey camp with some guys in West Virginia. So I'd already have that kind of set up with me. Uh, I might have to try to make that happen. At least the cup race, go a day early and hit the cup race. That would be cool. That would be really cool. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Well, they just announced – I mean, I said – you know, you said we were going to postpone maybe some some announcement talk until later in the show, but the, the short tracking uh, racing is, is going to get a facelift. Yes. Uh, that's Does that start this weekend, right? Or in Phoenix, right? I imagine. I, I, they usually don't hold on to these kind of changes for very long. So can you tell me exactly what those changes are? Do you remember what exactly everything was, or some of it at least? Yeah, so uh, rear spoiler down to two inches, and the they're taking like – I'm not sure what number of the, the baffling that's underneath the car. that ca They're taking away 300 points of downforce, essentially, okay. like 30 pounds of downforce. Gotcha, so it'll be a little bit quicker. Yeah, it should be a little bit uh, less aero-dependent, which it even became some of that at Martinsville. Getting the nose planted uh, isn't going to be as big a deal because everybody's going to be a little bit up off the ground, I, I guess is kind of the way that's supposed to go. Right. So with, with, uh, with Kyle getting this win uh, in Fontana, it makes the Bush brothers the all-time winning brother combination in NASCAR history. I thought that was a really cool stat. Yeah, so I guess the – so 95. Who, who would have been the brothers? Would have been Donnie and Bobby with 94? I would, 
I would have guessed that was probably be the combination yeah, I they think hit. Donnie had ten and Bobby had eighty four. Yeah. So yeah. I think you're right. Yep. Yep. That's awesome though. And it's funny. Talk about a blast from the past. I was going through um, TikTok earlier and was flipping through some things, and it was this lady giving Kurt Busch a hug after Kyle had won, and I was like, who is this? So I click on the profile. Uh, remember Home Improvement back in the day, Tim Allen and them guys, the the, the hot chick uh, on the on the show or whatever? It was her. She's like uh, so suddenly reemerged out of, out of nowhere, and she was giving Kurt Busch a hug, and they were talking like they knew each other for 30 years. Oh yeah, the Tim the the tool man, uh, the one that did it after Pam Anderson. Yeah, 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 yeah. That chick, she did it for yeah. like eight seasons or something like that. Yeah, and she was on her she was on her notes too. She was, <laughs> yeah. was getting mad at the drivers for not helping her set up her bit. <laughs> like, because they had her on the grid walk with Walter. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were, they were not doing. They were not setting her up, so she had to do the setup and then the punch. <laughs> on her awesome. you know tim the tool time girl stuff i love that show back in the day man uh another thing you know from um from uh fontana you know we had that big uh caution which was one of the biggest cautions fontana has seen at their track uh the restart there in uh stage two which was a direct result, in my opinion, of a longer restart zone, which is going to be, it's like the first five races of the year. They stretch out the uh, restart zone. And, you know, and, and it was an accordion effect that, that caused all that from being the longer restart zone. You know, uh, Joey kind of stretched it out there a little bit. And, you know, I don't know if he was playing that out right, but uh, he sure did cause a mess. Well, I think people are so used to now, you just – that zone was so short for, and it hasn't really been that long, but it was for long enough that the drivers are programmed to just go because the only way to make make up ground is to be going forward across the start finish, right? Because you can't make a lane change before start finish. That's a rule they made like five years before that. Mm-hmm. So you can see how it happens on a straightaway where you can't see, and that's kind of what the chatter's been is like yeah you're gonna see this at the bigger tracks where they get on straightaways where you can't see or at a place like loudon for instance you have seen this a couple of times you know that you have spotters that are saying green 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 and you have spotters right next to them going check up check up check up (laughs) and it's because you know there's a multitude of things happening there the drivers can't see not all the spotters are a spotters and uh so you you it's unfortunate that it collected so many cars that that is a talking point of the race. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think the general consensus is Logano didn't do anything wrong. He, no, he played he by was, the rules. <laughs> he played by the rules and everybody else assumed he was going to go before he did. And, uh, that didn't happen. And bang, bang, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> right. If you had to pick a wagon is what they call it. <laughs> right. If you had to pick a driver in the field, who you think benefits the most off of these long restart zones, who do you think it is? Uh, from being the leader and getting to do it. Yeah. As, as who would you pick to be the leader? That's going to gain the most off of this. Who, who, who would probably play it right most of the time? <laughs> I think the the cerebral drivers and then the guys that just absolutely do not have a stop button. <laughs> right, um, that's Kyle and well, I think from a cerebral perspective, I think uh, Kyle has always been masterful at restarts. Uh, Joey and Brad seem to be more of the uh, kind of aware of all the things going on around them guys that would take advantage of it. And then you got guys like Chastain that are just like, "Where's the gas pedal?" Down <laughs> right. Uh, that's kind. Of, I was thinking, and I don't know why this came, why he came to my mind when I thought about it. I thought of Larson, even though he didn't really get to play with the rest of the boys in the uh, sandbox on Sunday. But you know, I, I feel like he could just really play some games when it comes to that. I don't know if maybe that dirt background kicks in a little bit or something, just messing with people or whatever. But I feel like he could be one to gain off that. Well, I hadn't really seen him be great on restarts from the lead. I would say his advantage is being in the second or third or fourth row. Um, I think one of the things they said for years until this SMT data came out and you could look at what everybody was basically doing in their car is that Kyle was doing something with the clutch all all these years, getting on and off pit road and on restarts. 
that just he just never spun his tires and somehow never spun his tires and kept the power down. So I guess maybe it was speculation on, you know, we've all driven a passenger car. What are the ways that you keep RPM up and take a little bit of torque away from the car, but um, but not sacrifice that that loading of the engine up? Well, that you just you just depress the clutch a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't use the clutch very much. They replace it every race. So you're not going to burn the plate up. Right. Um, you know, in just that in just one race. So, I mean, they have, some guys have that's happened. But yeah, you know, that's when they try to take off in like fourth gear because they don't have the first three. But <laughs> but there was always some mystery about what Kyle was doing because he would just go and you'd see him never spin the tires. Um, but Brad and Joey, I would put in that category of being calculated yeah. in how they do it. Um, maybe playing with them a little bit. That's what I was know, thinking. And pushing in the clutch and gassing it up to make the noise get people all excited and that sort of stuff like that. (laughs) Uh, Well, we definitely uh, knew we would have great racing just because of the old surface uh, of of Fontana. And I think, uh, you know, obviously old surfaces are going to make for great racing. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to miss Fontana if we don't get this back. I think we're all going to miss it, which is good uh, in a way. It will make us appreciate what we had. Um, there was a period of time when it kind of, it was a boring race, but everything that was big in those, in that time frame was also looked at as being rather boring. I mean, the things that old school race fans and old school drivers and that like about those kind of tracks, the Atlantas, the Darlington's, the Darlington, not so much, cause it kind of stands alone as something a little bit different, but, uh, darling, or specifically Atlanta and California, older surface lots of tire wear management of tires comers and goers right guys go out and get gone and then that's the only part of the race they ever lead you know we've seen that before just missed tire you know missing the tire management piece of the puzzle i think we're going to miss that one of the things that also does at a really wide track at california is opens up all these lanes of opportunity to put your car in uh, to make passes the you know the slingshot style passes we saw a ton of that at california well, I mean, obviously that's going to be gone because this track's going to be different. But um, that's for whatever reason that kind of racing lost its luster over the years, and but now it's come back. And I, I don't know if that's just the way fans operate. Um, I can remember being a little bit bored with some of the uh, mile and a half races, but now mostly they're all on old surfaces. So we're going back through that cycle. You know, the, you know, Atlanta's now a restrictor plate race or whatever we're supposed to be calling that restricted race, right? uh, restricted motor race or whatever jargon they want to use now. It's a plate race. Right. And and I feel like the car, the the, the (laughs) new car we have races so well at mile and a half. We've had such great racing product uh, from mile and a half. Even, you know, go, let's say you go back three to four to five years how many people complained about mile and a half now we're like give them to us give them to us give it to us <laughs> you know it's it's true it's true because it happened and i it's somewhere between the very last couple of iterations of the car of tomorrow the gen 5 and when the gen 6 be, you know showed up and they were literally sucking the car down to the racetrack they were creating so much vacuum the car would actually suck down to the track and you literally there was only one line that was the fastest around the track. And when they did that, that's when that kind of racing kind of got shitty. Yeah, for sure. You know, the old, they were worried, you know, we had some, some bad weather obviously there this past weekend and uh, you know, the Xfinity race got rained out and switched to a double header on Sunday after the cup race, you know, old surfaces and, basically last race out on that configuration maybe the last race on the property since they sold it uh they when they were worried about weepers they were cutting cutting the track to uh to help with that i thought that was absolutely bizarre it's not the first time we've seen it um what i can't recall is when they did it before if it was because that whatever track that was at was scheduled for repave and they were just like we got to get one more race so they get out the concrete saws and they cut a bunch of holes in it and let the water seep out. Right. Uh, very necessary if you want to race. Uh, we've seen 
how i mean was it texas where the water just kept pouring out of places yeah. for, for days it seemingly um so yeah i think we've got a lot better at water management you know Hire sure. a couple of civil engineers before you build these tracks, for sure. <laughs> right. uh, so what do you think about NASCAR selling the property for $500 million or whatever it was? Uh, my guess is it's just entirely too much cash flow to turn down. Um, whether or not they continue forward with the plans to make that some kind of a six-tenths or seven-tenths mile oval with the front stretch mostly staying the same. Uh, I think the big question becomes it's a much smaller property now, way smaller than even the, the short tracks that we have now in terms of the total capacity of the property. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a hundred acres doesn't leave a whole lot of room for parking. No, it does not. And if you sold that that land because it's valuable for things like Amazon warehouses or uh, it sounds like that area has built up quite nicely with retail and, and restaurants and stuff. If the, if there's going to be um, brick and mortar there, there, you won't be able to park there. Right. What a, what a, and, and you know, it sounds weird coming from a guy sometimes, but what a beautiful background for a race, right? You know, you got the mountains in the back, there's snow on them, you know, cars going 190, 200 miles an hour. I mean, it's got to be a spectacle. I'm, I'm kind of sad I never got to experience it. Well, I can remember seeing the mountains before. I can never see them, never remember seeing them with four feet of snow on them. (laughs) That looked amazing. That looked like they were, you know, a little bit further west in the Sierra Nevada. Absolutely. Looked like they were uh, ready to go snowboarding. Some of the geography uh, (laughs) are going to kick my ass to the east. (laughs) Something I should never get wrong because that's where my dad, my dad's from the Sierra Nevada. So. (laughs) <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Daytona hangovers. Uh, we had a, you know, several drivers that uh, didn't pan out for him two weeks in a row. And I hate it uh, for Tyler Reddick because, you know, obviously him and, uh, you know, Kyle Busch, I wouldn't say swapped, but it's pretty, it's close enough, uh, you know. And then Reddick, he can't make it through the first two races. And then you got the complete opposite where Kyle's been in the, the mix to win both races. Um, I hope Reddit can bounce back. Um, you know, you, that might be a steal for a, a Vegas odds type of situation. It might be a real high on the odds and he may drive great this weekend in Vegas. True story. Yeah. I, when I was filtering through the list, I was looking at Bubba Wallace and wondering, okay, you know, I'd like to see those odds be a little bit longer than 250 to one. So Reddick's at plus 1500 for the weekend. Yeah, that's still that's still pretty good. All that's kind of what considered. I was thinking too. And then you know you got another driver like Blaney who's kind of in the same boat, kind of that Daytona hangover. Uh, he's sitting at plus twelve hundred, so he's uh, he's right up there with him too. You know the Fords have always. I feel like the Fords have ran great at uh, Las Vegas over the last several years, especially uh, Joey for sure. Yeah, and I don't know how many years they did it, and maybe it was just one, maybe it was two or three, but um, I went to the uh, the Shelby, you know, 427 or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and that was all about, like, Ford was all about some Vegas. Ford was, whether it was Kenseth or Carl Edwards or whoever, they were winning those races. Yeah. You know, in Pennzoil, they uh, this is the Pennzoil 400, and they usually Joey's got the the Pennzoil on the car for Vegas weekend. Yeah, he tends to do pretty well with Pennzoil on the car too. <laughs> not to go back and uh, I missed one of my notes here, but I don't know if you saw it or not, and I didn't see it on the broadcast. I actually saw it on uh, it's an influencer that does a lot of NASCAR gambling. Uh, content uh did you realize somebody ran over a cat on the track no i did not <laughs> somebody hit a black cat in turn one. Oh I don't, my god! i don't know how that never made it on tv uh but uh i believe kevin harvick tagged a black cat on the track so i'm gonna stay away from the kevin harvick pick this week <laughs> wow uh, yeah. I did not know that. Uh, I will not share that information with this household. <laughs> You're right. Given that we are very enamored with our kitties that we have now. 
For sure. We um, got one too. Yeah. I mean, I can remember somebody hitting a deer at Pocono and that was messy. And somebody hit a coyote at Phoenix once. I don't remember somebody hitting a deer. I'm going to have to look that footage up. Yeah. Somebody, I don't know if it was a test or what, but somebody hit a coyote with the, the COT um, back when the entrance, the, the grill entrance was way up in that front part of the bumper when they used to have the actual spokes mm-hmm. in the splitter. And that thing was, I mean, there were, you could see the jaws like, <laughs> hanging out of where the intake is, but like that thing's body was all the way back and up the windshield. Like it was like, they just had to start over. They're like, this car's trashed. We right. just get another car. The body There's landed up on everywhere. Rattlesnake Hill. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was like a coyote blender in there. Uh, you know, a question for you. Uh, do you like the West Coast swing being this early in the NASCAR schedule? I think it almost has to be. Thinking the same thing. Um, it just It's a weather thing. I mean, uh, now granted, we did get rain and snow and 40 degrees in California, which everybody agrees is very rare. Right, um, and it was 80 in Charlotte. <laughs> yeah, it's it's that's not, you know, year over year, the Farmer's Almanac is usually pretty good with this stuff. Um, I think you almost have to because of the weather. You got to give the East Coast time to breathe. Um, and it really it almost gives people like you know a lot of people scatter from a long ways to go to Daytona, mm-hmm. and that's an expensive trip. Um, it gives them all a chance to get their feet back under them if they want to go to Martinsville or whatever that nonsense we do at Bristol now is, <laughs> uh, Atlanta. Um, you know. So yeah. I I, th- I think it's necessary. I got you. Uh, something you know, obviously we we weren't uh, didn't have a uh, a show after um, Daytona, um, but something that uh, you put down and I wanted to bring back around myself uh, was this chatter between Jimmy uh, and the King having or the King having a little bit of a rough go at it, saying Jimmy's taking over, blah blah blah. How do you what, what do you think about all this? They need to uh, pass the peace pipe around. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Were you able to get that clear? I wasn't. I, I got the other one, but not that one. All right. We'll have to do that later. Uh, for all you Tulsa King fans, hold on to that one. Um, y'all probably know what's coming if you remember season, well, well there's only been one season, episode three. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think what happened is uh, is Richard has is, is long been a puppet, so to speak, for uh, the brand name that is Petty. In terms of car ownership and team ownership, they've been on the outside pretty much since the Gillette Petty merger. Um, there's not been a lot of Petty money in it. It's a whole lot of Richard's persona and his brand as a person. Uh, I think what Jimmy has done is kind of whatever freedom of operation that the King thought he had or control or whatever he thought he had, he's realizing that he that he never had that or hasn't had it in a long time, but it's become obvious that by the way that Jimmy has picked, you know, who's going to make the decisions. Um, so I don't know. It sounded like at the time those two hadn't really spoken about it. And Jimmy kind of like, mm, I didn't realize he uh, was mad. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I'm kind of thinking about it. I thought about it as a um, kind of like a business side of it. You know, if, you have zero um, in it, in the game. You've got zero money in the game. You know, everybody's bought you out. You're not part of it. It's kind of like, what decisions are you here to make? Um, You're not part of this. I mean, yes, you are a spokesperson for this team, but you ain't got no skin in it, brother. Yeah, I mean, they're still running his numbers. So, I mean, I don't know what to say. This is one of those weird things that, it seems like it could only happen in motorsports. <laughs> um, I mean, you think about uh, somebody was talking today on a podcast I was listening to about how you root for drivers who are going to retire. Like nobody roots for a, like a quarterback and then they're done with the sport or they got to pick a new quarterback because they're either Dallas Cowboys fans or they're Eagles fans or Falcons or Colts or whoever. Right. The teams don't retire. So, I mean, we all wish Richard Petty would live forever because it's still good to have him in the garage for NASCAR. He's not gonna. 
Right. Um, the fact that the numbers are still the same and the, you know, the, the font is the same as the petty legacy. Uh, his name's not there anymore. I, you know, but legacy is, uh, I don't, I don't, I guess, I think Richard may be just a little bit delusioned in his old age. Kind of what I was thinking too. And obviously I still want him to be around and be a part of the sport and everything too. But, um, it's just, the time for him to be in that space has come and gone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his job is to wear the cowboy hat and the sunglasses and the, you know, the black wranglers and the boots and be around the garage and shake hands and kiss babies and sign his <laughs> sweet ass autograph. <laughs> right. Um, and, and I'm not saying that he's just a clown for the show, but um, he is still very much a brand. He's the king. You know, let's not forget it. We never will. But, um, you know, Petty Enterprises hasn't been a thing in a very, very long time. Absolutely. Wonder how much one of those hats costs that he that he puts out. I'd like to have one of them just to have on the shelf back here somewhere. Hey, you can get one. It's Charlie One Horse. Yep, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna have to try to do that. Speaking of that kind of stuff, I finally got my uh, my little goodie box in the mail that I had won from uh, Brandon and Lab Traffic and Atlanta Racing, and I can't remember the other company. Throwback something. Uh, I got a bunch of stuff. I won on Twitter. Got a signed Bill Elliott card. I got a, a Chase Elliott Funko thingy, whatever those things are called, a T-shirt and a hat. I got a uh, Stroker Ace hat. It's pretty badass. Actually. Oh, that is awesome. <laughs> I might have to wear it next episode. <laughs> I didn't even think about that tonight. I'm not sure if you can. Can you see this shirt I'm wearing? Uh, yeah, I see it now. I see it now. That's awesome. Hey, that's awesome. Too bad nobody can see us. We're going to have to put this stuff on YouTube one of these days. I don't know if they'd like me and my Cincinnati Reds cut off tonight or not. But. Well, I, I, if we had been, I almost dug out my Rico hat. Oh, I got that thing somewhere. I think I know exactly where that's at, actually. Uh, and I got, I got the sunglasses that. The, like they're are you know they're a very cheap replica of rips squared off aviators and i've been I, looking at i've been looking at his hats that's you know, awesome. ba- bailey is now the official replica hat of yellowstone so when is when exactly is the uh the throwback weekend in darlington is that the is that the mother's day one or is that yes. later on yes throwback darlington is is uh is mother's day we might have to get dressed up for a throwback. I'll put the uh, the old Rico hat on or the Stroke Race hat on. <laughs> we might have to. That might have to be like our first official YouTube episode. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of fun. Anyways, it would uh, be. Um, but back to Vegas. Uh, you know where sins live forever. What's your? I know. I, I know. I've heard the one. I think you told it last year about Danny DeVito. Uh, but what? What's some of your best Vegas stories? Well, I've only been once as an adult. Um, I, I, I went as a kid very briefly. We stayed at Circus Circus one night doing the Southern Utah National Park tour when I was a kid, going mm-hmm. to Bryce and Zion. Yeah, but um, yeah, I think the uh, the most fun that we had, I believe, I can say, I can speak for all parties, is uh, we went to the old strip. Yeah. Um, one night and it's all walking and there's this awning over the whole thing. It's yep, like, that's where I'm going with mine. Too. All the buildings are the same, and it, it and even like convenience stores are on the side, but there's no cars, and like every third block there's a band. Yep, and you can just it, it's like it's like there's Seven Elevens. Like there's no gas, but you go in there and it's like a Seven Eleven shop. You just go in by a tall boy and come right back <laughs> yep. out of the street. Absolutely, <laughs> and. uh you know, and we, I mean, you're supposed to walk up and down and see the whole thing, but you know, me and Rusty, we, we walked past two bands. We heard Leonard Skinner and we stopped and we watched <laughs> an entire set of Leonard Skinner tribute band. Listen to awesome. everything they played, you know, for like an hour. And I, I think that was probably the most fun. We didn't get do anything too wild. I mean, um, you know, I think the wildest, wildest thing. We did actually. We did do one other thing. <laughs> uh, what is it? The what is the place? Is it In and Out that has the crazy ass dollar menu, or you used to? 
Yeah, I mean, must again, be used to when we went to In and Out a bunch. It wasn't uh, there wasn't no dollar menu that I remember. Anyways, there was like okay, secret well, menu. Maybe there's another one. Anyway, we basically ordered everything on it. Uh, it was like sixty dollars worth of stuff, and it was like tacos, mini tacos, little burritos, taquitos. That sounds like a jack in the box. Yes, that's what it was. Jack in the box. And we ordered like $60 worth of Jack in the Box and took it back to the house. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I've been to Vegas a bunch, actually. Well, I wouldn't say a bunch. A bunch for somebody being maybe in Indiana. I think I've been three times, three, two or three times now. Uh, I went on my 21st birthday is actually where I spent my 21st birthday. And then uh, me and Jocelyn went back uh, several years back and got to see Aerosmith over there and whatnot but uh i think my best story comes from fremont street too actually the old strip uh where that big video tower looking deal is and i hope i didn't tell this story last time when we went when we were talking about vegas um but the 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 canopy is like a big video screen Mm -hmm. Uh, and there's a guy that goes up and down and interviews people and stuff and whatnot we're walking down through there and me and my dad had actually split off from a couple other people that we were with and uh He's like, man, I wonder where that guy's standing at. And we look up, and he's just like right down the thing from us. So we kind of, kind of fast walked over to this guy, and he's interviewing us live on this big thing. And we're, I mean, we're deep into the night. It's it's late in the evening, so we were pretty deep, you know. And uh, my stepmom and aunt and uncle, you've met Ted and Robin. They came out of one of the casinos and looked up, and all they saw were me and my dad on there just hammered drunk <laughs> and this guy was like y'all from texas ain't you and we're like no nah, we're from indiana he said you all sound like y'all from texas <laughs> i'm like no we're just hillbillies from the midwest but <laughs> uh, that's the way that's the way it be on the west coast they all think that you know if you have a little bit of an accent or something that you got to be from texas like, <laughs> right no i don't get that but i'm not from the west coast either all right, so uh, so uh, who's got the who's who do you think has the best momentum leading into Vegas weekend besides the obvious and Kyle Busch? Um, Logano and Harvick. Okay, so Harvick a little bit more of a sleeper, but I would say Logano's he's poised to win. Uh, Chastain. Sure looked good. I don't, and so did his teammate. Well, we got Logano at plus eight hundred, so they definitely think he's looking pretty hot. Uh, Harvick is plus two thousand. Uh, Chastain's at plus eight hundred as well. So I, I would think somebody maybe knows a little something, something. And Kyle Busch, your favorite for the race, is at plus six hundred, which is still a pretty good. Uh, pretty good lick of change if you were having to put fifty or sixty bucks on it. Yeah, actually, the what I saw earlier had Harvick at uh, eighteen hundred. So whatever that side is is a better buy. <laughs> this is uh, via DraftKings. Yeah, well, I, I thought I thought Harvick was a pretty good buy at eighteen hundred. Mm-hmm. So he's definitely a better buy at two thousand if you get to that book. For sure. Uh, the, the other one I saw just based on performance so far that I thought was a good buy, and I don't know. I'm sure that's just to win. I don't know what it is to place or if they, how that all works, but Austin Dillon's going off at plus 4,000. Uh, that let's that see seems here. like a good buy. He's plus 5,000 on this one. Yeah. I took um, Austin Dillon last week in um, lap traffic fantasy. Um, kind of the same thing like what we got going. You can only pick him once per segment or whatever. Uh, and he had had great finishes at Fontana in the past. So I picked him this past weekend. I don't remember exactly where he finished, but I think it was good for uh, for Austin anyways. How do you think Austin feels being in that three car? His teammate won multiple races last year. Uh, his teammate almost had multiple race wins already this year gets the race win. Um, when do you get to that point when you're Austin Dillon, like what the F is going on? What, what am I doing any different than these guys? I, I wonder if you have that much chatter about that. If you're Austin Dillon sort of looking at it, looking ahead, if you're, if he's smart enough, if he's business savvy enough 
and I didn't just make this up in my head. I kind of stole part of what I'm going to say, but I think if he's looking ahead at growing the RCR brand and the performance level, he's just got to be happy that he called Kyle Bush and Kyle Bush said yes. So that was Austin's idea. It's true. And um, it's coming, it's already paying at the, at the pay window. So I, I think if, if there was ever a chance for RCR to become an, another Chevy top tier, you know, an A Chevy team that adding Kyle Bush was it. Um, we Austin's never going to be anything better than a B driver. Right. Um, he just he just doesn't he doesn't have it. You know, the races that he what well, he won one six hundred. That's the only race he's won that wasn't a plate race. So, um, you know, he he's not a bad racer. He'll finish he'll finish in the top ten. He'll get you a top ten finish, and you won't ever hear about him all day long. Right. right i mean he doesn't really tear equipment up mm-hmm. he's really good at that um but you know he's not gonna he's not gonna rip off a, a you know a, a bristol martinsville atlanta kind of year that's not gonna he's not gonna do that Kyle bush will oh i see that coming in a in a I hope it happens anyways. I hope for Kyle Busch's sake it happens. Uh, from the start of it, man, he's looking awfully strong. But Well, think you- about it this way. RCR hasn't won a championship since 1994. Yeah, that's, uh, that's been a while. Do you think eventually, and I'm looking way down the road at this point, do you think eventually um, Austin Dillon takes over the reins at RCR? Absolutely. So do you think if he's got that business savvy in him, do you think he ever gets to a point like, hmm, maybe I should stick somebody else in here for a hot minute and see how it turns out? <laughs> I think if he's smart enough to to hire Kyle Bush, knowing Kyle Bush is going to outrun him every week, he's smart enough to know when he probably should get out. Yeah, because they got that uh, – they have like a um, – it's a new deal. I don't even – that might be going into like its second year or whatever, but they have like this PBR rodeo team deal. Uh, and he owns it. I believe him and Richard own it. I don't remember the name of the team or anything like that. I've only seen a couple of the events on TV, uh, but they got their hands in a lot of stuff over there. Don't they have a winery? They got all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Richard's had a winery for a while. I've actually stayed at the holiday Inn that's at the RCR, uh, or the Richard Childress winery. Nice. Uh, we used to stay there all the time when I had to go there for work. Uh, it's in Linwood, North Carolina, um, or Lexington is the bigger town, but Linwood's really where it is. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, they, you know they uh, they just did this thing where the bull riders went into a pool and were draftable. Yeah. Um, so I guess that was I, I can what I can think is that they wanted it to become more of a mainstream thing, maybe something that you could bet on, you know, a team performance kind of a thing, maybe get people more into the idea of rooting for a team of riders as opposed to an individual rider that has a career that may last six years, maybe seven or 10 if he's, you know, you know, really good and really doesn't get hurt, which is totally unheard of in that sport. (laughs) Right. So we, it's we, not we, if it's when <laughs> we went to uh, PBR in Indianapolis last year. We missed it this year. Tickets went through the roof uh, for some reason on that whole deal. Um, but I got really big into the PBR. Not to go down this rabbit hole by any means, but I have I had them taped on CBS Sports. I had it on the DVR every week. It would record the event for me, so I could go back and watch it and fast forward through all the commercials and whatnot, and kind of keep up with it a little bit. One day that it recorded was actually that draft. It wasn't uh, an event. It was that draft. And Austin Dillon made a huge deal in that draft. Basically, like trading, um, he traded one guy or a pick for two people. He basically got like two of the best bull riders in the deal for like the number one pick or something. I can't remember exactly how it all played out, but he was making deals, man. You should have seen him. He was all slicked up in a nice looking suit and a big cowboy hat and uh, making deals, man. It was kind of cool to watch because it mixed a couple different worlds up for me, you know, with the PBR and the NASCAR world. I So I love the idea. I would like to see um, the PRCA maybe introduce something like that. I'm sure that Cowboys hate this idea because <laughs> they're very individual 
performers, but mm-hmm. to have a, like a full rodeo team where you have, you know, you have a bulldogger and you have a calf roper and you have a set of team ropers and you have a bull rider, saddle bronc and bareback. Um, that would be cool that, you know, you would draft, it'd be like drafting positions in any regular sports team for sure. And, and then you just, then that's team, whatever team Dylan, whatever you want, whatever it is, they decide they want to do intimidators, whatever, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> uh, I, I like the concept because I think it introduces sport to people that otherwise would not care about rodeo. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, let's head back to the, uh, the Vegas talk. Uh, first, uh, I was going to say first triple header of the uh, season, but that would be uh, not correct. Uh, Daytona was a triple header, but uh, another triple header this weekend, trucks Friday night, Xfinity Saturday cup Sunday, who you got, who you picking, uh, who you taking off your board for picks uh, for the year? Uh, Martin Truex Jr. Good pick. Good pick. Impressed me with the penalty and the wheel and all that nonsense to come all the way back and have a pretty good race. I hope I hope you're right, buddy. I am going to take a big, a big name off as well this week. I'm going the Watermelon Man. I'm going Ross Chastain. I Is think that who I picked last week? Uh, no, you picked, um, Blaney for the Daytona 500. I we didn't get stop. to pick last week. Oh, that's right. I, that's right. That's right. I was going to pick Blaney for Fontana. I'm glad I get to hang on to him now. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but yeah, um, I think Chevy's look really strong. I don't know. You can't really base it off one race really. Um, but Ross sure did look good, uh, last week as well. He's ran well at, uh, Vegas before. Um, but I'm going to go with the watermelon man to, to steal one. I like it. It's a good pick. All right. You're up this week. Here comes the old Kevin Costner. You figure out a plan that works and you take that trash to the fucking train station. Okay. This week, the trash, you take that trash to the fucking train station. We have a repeat. That was my bad. That's <laughs> Sorry, button stuck. <laughs> this week, uh, this message is for Tony Stewart. Not for Tony Stewart, but Uh-oh. for the three other SHR drivers not named Kevin Harvick. It's time to take that trash to the train station. You got to find out what's <laughs> next, buddy, because the other three guys ain't it. Dang, dang, second race of the year and already throwing a whole team out besides one driver? Well, they just, they're not there. They're not present. I'm Um, with you. I I, I mean, I I see it. It's a wake-up call. It's more of a, you you better recognize it right now. I don't know what's wrong, but you're slow. And whether it's you crashing or what, maybe that fixes itself, but you're slow. You're real slow. You're not an A team right now. No. Uh, you know, uh, Phoenix, we have Phoenix uh, next week after uh, after Vegas, and Briscoe won that first race last year. Do um, you think that was just an anomaly? He just played it off right? Because SHR, besides the couple Harvick wins and the one uh, Briscoe win, they haven't done a whole lot. No, they haven't. Uh, they have not at all. Uh, Almirola is not a, he's not a splash artist, particularly not on a, we don't know when he's going to retire type deal. <laughs> right. Um, and there is nobody in the pipe, nobody who, who is driving for four that you're like, yep, that's the one it, it's not Riley Herbst. They're going to pull Cole Custer back. Now, that sounds like a shit show waiting to happen. The only one I can think of would be Zane Smith. Maybe, maybe, yep. or you have to steal, you know, you have to steal a, uh, one of these guys that we've been, you know, we thought you got to steal a Chandler or you got to steal Nemechek or something. You're going to have to steal. Yep. I did also see, uh, prior to us hitting record last second, I didn't get to write it down though. Uh, Kurt Bush, not Kyle Bush, Kurt Bush is still not cleared to race, which man, that sucks for him. I know he was going to try to put something together to maybe have a one-off ride here or there with somebody, but still not uh, doesn't still have that doctor's note to get in that car. 
That sucks. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's rough. That was like uh, last summer. Yeah, it was like in July. Yeah, that's um, that's not good. Yeah, I mean concussions are no joke, man, and and they're not all the same, right? That's the that was the biggest thing that we learned through um, all the NFL studies, and then we got to see it up close and personal with Junior, document the whole thing. I read his book. Um, it's very um, troublesome to to find out that these guys. Um, you know, at any any given time, it, it's the one hit that may that may be it, and it, because maybe their brain's just so fragile that it only takes one, or it could be that, that it's a Brett Favre situation where he's like, I don't know, maybe a thousand. I'm not sure how many times I got yeah. you know dizzy after taking one to the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the last thing we want to hear about is race car drivers going through some of the things that we've heard about these NFL guys like Seau and the. The, yeah, that was rough. Yeah, that's. I mean, I mean, to be so cognizant and so aware of what's wrong with you that you shoot yourself in the heart and write a note saying, "I want you to donate my brain to the Boston U," because that's where all the best studies are being done. That's that's damning. Very yeah, that's, damning. That's very very scary for sure. All right, buddy. Uh, Thirty-five episodes in the book. We'll do her again. Uh, I would say we're probably going to be a – you guys will get to hear it on Wednesdays, but uh, we're probably going to continue this Tuesday train station segment and trying to record on the the Tuesdays. It fits into everybody's schedule, it seems like. Uh, But uh, tell everybody where they can find us at on the old Twitter bug. Yeah, you can find us uh, at BTDO Podcast, and uh, maybe if we get all our digital stuff figured out, uh, we can have a – when drivers start really feuding, we can have a little – peace pipe funny to go with uh yeah segment. i'll get that put on here <laughs> for sure <laughs> uh well thanks everybody for listening give us a rate and review uh i kind of led with some stuff earlier talking about that uh that package that i won and if you are 51 minutes deep into this i'll give you a little hint that uh that chase elliott funko pop is going to be a giveaway for us coming up in the next few weeks so pay attention to that social Give us a like and a follow and all that good stuff, and uh, we'll see you all again next week. And share it with your friends, too. You know, you might have some race fans. Just take their phone away from them, plug it in on their little iPod app, and and say, here, download, and you listen to this. Check out these rednecks talking about NASCAR. What gets any better than that? (laughs) All right. All right, boys and girls, we'll see you again next week. See ya. Viva Las Vegas.